welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the Roman's Empire podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. But boys, I have a feeling we're going to be talking some shit about Chelsea, but we're also going to be, uh, you know, keeping an eye on the future and recognizing that it's Tuchel hasn't even been here for a month. So without further ado, um, I'll go ahead and introduce my co-host as always first off som yes off of a uh fresh off a chat room am i right first of all thanks for you know going back to your old ways and introducing me first i thought it felt weird when you introduced andreas <laughs> first you know it's just i don't know I, I i like uh consistency but uh <laughs> sorry for all my uh, <laughs> alphabetical order people out there yeah um so yeah well Today, I got onto the app called Clubhouse uh, two days ago, and I saw that there was a Chelsea FC supporters club kind of group thing, and uh, I DM'd the um, admin, and I was able to get on as like a moderator today for like pre and post game, and uh, it was it was pretty funny. Like you know, I just I, I just felt like a radio show host, just like all right, next up we got blah 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 you know and i would just like call them like calling the next person they would just vent about <laughs> the match and all that stuff but i don't know i think i think uh what you said earlier talking you know a little bit of shit about chelsea like i i'm not gonna put any blame on them at all i think 100 percent of the blame goes to the pitch the qual the pitch quality was <laughs> absolutely horrid looked and... like the top of kevin durant's head huh <laughs> yep and i mean dude just like I, I can't I it's it's very hard for me to like draw any conclusions based on what we saw today just because you know they're training on a perfect pitch and they get to this this pitch where you know a lot of their games are just short passes and stuff like that and you know anything on the ground is just going in random directions bouncing like slowing down randomly uh, and you saw it and it really messed everyone's flow up and you know credit to Barnsley it was Barnsley right yeah <laughs> for for you know just like they had an insane amount of cardio and just been, being able to pressure us the whole match made it, you know, really, really scary match. Uh, Andreas, how, how are you doing, bro? For a second, I thought we were going to skip the intro. Thank you, Sam. I'm doing yeah, I good. Had to. I, had to, I had to go. <laughs> I'm doing good bit. off to the, well, the quarterfinals now. Uh, Tuchel remains undefeated. Like you said, it wasn't a pretty day in the office, but we got it done. So uh, I'm all right. I'm doing good. Psalm, uh or actually to our listeners, the next time uh, that clubhouse thing happens, we'll be sure to post another tweet about it uh, in case anyone is wondering. Um, yeah, they do it yeah. before and after every match. But, you know, they the guy who I was talking to said that, you know, we can just have like special rooms set up for us specifically and like. You know, I mean, obviously our listeners and anyone else who wants to join. So if we ever That'd do awesome. that, if we ever do that, we'll let you guys know. Um, yeah, that sounds but, cool. Well, let's get but... into this match. Um, so starting off with the starting lineup, I was I was very confused how we were going to line up. Uh, because, I mean, first of all, Kepa and goal, not much of a surprise, but still a little bit of a worry, which was an unfounded worry by the end of the match. Uh, and then we had Andreas Christensen, Kurt Zuma, Emerson, and Marcus Alonso. So 
at first I thought we were going to play a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1, something along those lines, but just four in the back. And, you know, I was a little confused, like, what were we going to see, like, where were we going to see Marcus Alonso, Emerson, whatever. And it turns out that they're playing a back three with Emerson as the third center back. So that was uh, horrifying. <laughs> Lined up on the same side as Marcus Alonso. Uh, so that was horrifying. And then uh, let's go through the rest of the midfield. We had uh, N'Golo Conte and Billy Goat Gilmore as a the midfield pairing. Callum Hudson-Odoi and Marcus Alonso's the wing backs and a front three of Tammy, Christian Pulisic, and Hakeem Ziyech. So um, I, I just want to start off by making a, a general point about this match. And this is something that you mentioned a couple weeks ago, Zach, and I really thought about it a lot today, and that, you know, the top teams in England, the, we're talking about the cities, I mean, the past couple of years, City, Liverpool, uh, I mean, I'm not going to say United, but they've been doing it a lot this year. Uh, you know, they play overall a pretty shitty match. Th things aren't going their way, and, you know, like a team that they should have beaten uh, is getting the best of them. But nine times out of ten, they figure out a way, and they win. Uh, and that's something that we were lacking. We had a lot of opportunities to finish off, like, matches where we should have won and end up either drawing or losing. Um, and in this case, we finished off with a win, and it's an it's a professional win. It's an ugly win, uh, so I'm I'm very pleased that we got to advance. I'm more pleased about the draw. Uh, we get to play against Sheffield United next uh, next round, so that was a very <laughs> that was a very favorable draw, even though we had a, uh, some trouble with them last week. But um, yeah, Zach, what what was your uh, your initial thoughts and overall thoughts of the match. Um, well, I, uh, I'll tell you this. I didn't overreact. Um, I wasn't too angry about the performance as a whole. I mean, we got to kind of take, um, the circumstances into, you know, into consideration for anyone that doesn't say the pitch, uh, the pitch wasn't a factor. Um, count how many times you saw a Chelsea player fall, slip and fall on their ass. Um, in both halves, I, I'm not buying that. The pitch was garbage. Um, when you're a possession team, uh, obviously that affects the way you play. Um, now, that's their excuse. Um, where they don't have an excuse is the adaptation. Uh, we didn't adapt the way we play to accommodate the pitch. Um, you know, granted, we did get the win. I think Tuchel kind of said it best post match, where he said we got lucky today. Um, you know, on any other day, Barnsley probably wins. And I and, and I think Somp said it earlier. Um, if this is a Premier League team, um, we probably don't win this game. Um, I think we I think we probably get bounced. Um, you know, against an Atletico or even a Man United who are coming up in the next couple of weeks, those teams would would have smacked us. We probably would have been two or three nil down at the half. Um, so you know, overall, we did get the victory. That's the most important thing. Um, I think there are some areas of caution, uh, you know, and, and some areas of experimentation that Tuchel, you know, kind of put square pegs in round holes today, like Emerson on the left of the back three. Uh, weirdly, Kurt Zuma in the middle of the back three and Christensen on the right in the first half. Um, I didn't like that Zuma in the middle. I didn't, didn't like work. the Zuma in the middle either. 
I to be honest with you, I didn't like Emerson in the back of in the back three. Really, you didn't like that? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Listen, listen. You can't put a defender that doesn't know how to defend behind another defender that doesn't know how to defend. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> I, um, I want to tell you something real quick that someone said in the clubhouse. And yeah. I was talking I, – I mentioned, I was like, I don't – like, if this is going to be a back three and Emerson is going to be a center back, I'm terrified of that. And someone said, oh, but what about Dave? He was a fullback that they converted into a center back. And I was like, uh, come on. Like, please, you cannot compare Emerson to Dave as far as defensive talent and ability. Like, that was and- – that and was like a shocker. How about just like footballing for, IQ? Yeah, Dave, ex- Dave experience, had... like feel, like everything. It doesn't even compare. I know, I know Andres is fuming inside because Dave hasn't had any athletic ability for the last, what, two or three seasons, but he still <laughs> managed to be consistently in our starting 11. So I don't buy that. Um, but yeah, just to kind of round off my point before I pass it off to Andres, um, I think there's two areas that we need to be concerned about after watching this game. The first one are the underperformers. Now, I know that there were 10 changes going in uh, compared to our last starting lineup, and pretty much 10 of those players performed. Keppa didn't. Um, he actually overperformed. But um, there were a couple that stuck out. Hakeem Ziyech, Christian Pulisic, um, and more specifically, the center midfield both N'Golo Conte and Billy Gilmore. Now, I know they haven't had too much game time lately, so you know that I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt there. Um, but I think it was Andres that mentioned it in a group chat, and maybe you could expand on it a little bit. Those guys need to start performing sooner rather than later, right? Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I'll start with, yeah, the, the three names that you mentioned, Pulisic, Ziyech, and Conte. I mean, we beat Barnsley, what was it, seven to one or seven nothing at the beginning of the season. I, I get that the pitch was a mess, but you get you can adapt to that 60 minutes in. And I feel that none of these guys did that. I think that Ziyech's game only got worse as the game uh continued. I think Polisic, mind you, he had to switch from left to right and formations and all that, but I just don't know why they feel so lost. I don't know if they prefer to be out in the wing where they get more space rather than these little inside tens. But these two guys need to start performing because the likes of Werner and Mason Mount are actually doing really well for themselves in the inside tens. Not to even mention that Havertz hasn't even come back and that Cho has also succeeded in a way in those inside ten rules. So that section of the field is now more than ever the congested part because Tuchel has also mentioned that the only four guys he is considering for the double pivot are Conte, Jorginho, Kovacic, and Gilmore. So those two guys for me have to do far better because we counted on them to be our creative outlet for most of this season and Pulisic even dating to last season. And we know they can do better. So they need to adjust sooner rather than later because once things start clicking, yes, Tuchel rotates a lot, but I don't see him rotating heavily on the more important games. Uh, as for Conte, I get he was injured and then, you know, he had too many yellows. And so a, a mix of two things is it hasn't let him kind of be part of the game. And I feel he was also given a disservice by having a, a new experimental back line especially in a system where we have to 
pass out of the back. I thought Christensen was far too wide on the right side in possession. I thought Emerson also didn't really move the ball quick enough. He took way too many touches, which only made Conte's job a lot harder because he's supposed to be, you know, making the quick decisions. But by the time the ball got to him, he was already kind of swamped in midfield. But overall, I, I wanted to talk about another reason this is this wasn't the greatest performance, and that was the fact that this was a B team. We we had players who hadn't featured under Tuchel in a while. Tammy hadn't started since his poor 45 minutes, and even he grew into the game. But Gilmore hadn't played yet. Again, Conte hadn't played. Zuma hadn't played yet under him. Keppa, like the, the list goes on. But my point is that, like Zach mentioned, who cares that it looked sloppy? Who cares? This is a cupped competition. We're not getting points. We're not moving up the table here. You you move on onto the next one. We're in the quarterfinals now, and we're still undefeated. And I think that's what needs to be the the line through this is that even when we played like crap, we moved on to the next round. And that's four games in a row with with a win. So that's good. That's good news. I'll, I I want to ask you guys a question because this is more of a technical question, uh, a little bit outside of my expertise. But you know, you saw last last match against Sheffield, and then again today against Barnsley. Um, we really struggle uh, to keep possession against uh, teams that really press us hard, and you know our weakness is our inability to break it down. So, what what technically do you do, or can you do as a team to to break it down and avoid uh, you know what we saw today, where it was like. 45% of the possession uh, of the whole match took place in our own third, final third. I think, I think it's... Or, yeah, oh, go ahead, or, Zach. Sorry. Yeah. No, um, but I, I think it's a tricky one, Sam, because this is really the first... Uh, I would say this is the first time um, where I actually thought we were going to lose under Tuchel. <laughs> like, like, honestly, in the first half, there was a period where I just kind of thought to myself, like, they're really not up for it. It's just a matter of hoping that they don't score two or three before the half. Um, but no, I think I, I think a lot of those problems get absolved once the goals start coming in. You know, I know it sounds a lot more simpler than it actually is, but I mean, you look at guys like Timo Werner, um, you know, Tammy Abraham. I mean, I know he got his goal today, but it wasn't necessarily an encouraging performance. Um, Kai Havertz hasn't chipped in at all. Pulisic hasn't chipped in. You look all over the pitch. Nobody's really chipped in. Even Cho has been having some really good performances, hasn't been scoring goals. The chances are there. I think we're creating enough. Um, but I think in a match like today where, you know, you got the combination of 10 new players, the pitch conditions, um, and a new manager, mind you, um, it's expected that there's going to be, you know, uh, a lack of cohesiveness at times. And unfortunately for us, Barnsley was on it today. And, and this and, and this is also another thing that's kind of bothered me after the matches. Everyone was saying, well, like, oh, it's Barnsley. We should be winning these matches. Those people have never watched the FA Cup. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it. yes, we should be beating those teams. Uh, yes, we shouldn't be making excuses. But those guys are also professional footballers as well. And if you watch the game, they actually played out of their skin. Um, 
So, you know, you got to give them some credit where credit's due. They made life difficult for us. And unfortunately for us, we just kind of couldn't turn it around. But I think I, I think the more interesting conversation to have is the shift that we saw um, stylistically and tactically from Lampard to Tuchel. We went from three midfielders to two. And under Lampard, um, at times, we were create. I mean, I think his, in his first season last year, we, I think we were, what, third in the league in chance creation? For most of the season, we were running in second. Uh, behind Liverpool we just weren't scoring the goals um, so maybe that has a little something to do with it I was thinking at times today man we're really missing that third body in the middle of the pitch one to clog things up for Barnsley but two to also have another outlet there in the midfield um, dare I say it we missed the Jorginho in this match but at the same exact time would he have been that effective with the pitch conditions I mean nobody could have passed the ball around so I've seen that argument being thrown around I still don't think that it was the wrong move to not select a guy like Jorginho or Kovacic who could keep the ball. But I think definitely having a third midfielder, um, especially in these cut matches that could sort of be shithouse at times, like this one was, can, can definitely help in terms of us controlling the game. Andres? Yeah, I, I mean, the the thing is, one, Jorginho's not on the pitch to to point and guide players to, to move the ball quickly. Yeah. Two, Thiago's not there. <clears throat> to also organize the back line and find those long passes out of the back. As that's all. That's a that's a big one. <laughs> so we're relying on Keppa, is what you're saying? <laughs> well, well, no, well, I think what Andres is mentioning, uh, it's a good point. Three of our captains weren't in. And not just that, it's 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 guys that break the press, right? Kovacic wasn't there to dribble past people. Yeah. And and Gilmore, Gilmore did all right, but. Again, the pitch conditions and whatnot, he maybe isn't at the level of Jorginho for organizing people around him. Maybe the players weren't – again, the familiarity is not there either. So maybe players weren't looking for certain runs that the person on the ball was looking for. Like If, if Jorginho gets the ball, you know where he's going to go. It's, it's happened now for four matches in this formation. You know where it's going to go. If Kovacic gets the ball, you probably start getting ready for the second option because he's probably going to dribble and open up space for himself. So – Again, th these are pieces that haven't worked together. I thought, for example, Alonzo had no idea where, what to do. He just kind of hmm. stared yeah. for the longest times in terms of possession. But to, to break down the press, you need to have the option to have an outlet in a long ball. And we weren't maybe we weren't stretching out the field enough in that sense. I thought, again, the back three was way too wide. So then by the time the ball got to Christensen – he only has two passes because he can't go forward to Cho at right wing back because he's so wide that Cho can't create space for himself with width. So little things like that. You want to have these triangles, and if you get too wide, then you can only pass lateral or backwards because you've cut yourself off from those wide passes. And again, little things like that are just things we're going to have to practice more. I think it's going to be interesting when we play, like Zach mentioned, a good, solid Premier League team that's willing to press. Maybe at that point, we'll see more passes from the back or we'll see the instruction for somebody like Alonzo, Werner, Cho to make that run in behind a little more frequently. But I think that's how you do it. If, if they think that you're going to play little passes back, try to catch them with a long ball until they have to respect that. And yeah. then the press is done. They, they won't be able to sustain that if we connect a few of those long passes because then they're going to show weaknesses in the back. So so here's a random, a random question that I just kind of – I want to play devil's advocate here because I think there's some truth to it. Um, 
I think I think more than anything, we were missing Mason Mount in this game. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think? Just his energy for and, sure. And, and, yeah. and I think just having his presence on the field makes a huge difference. And but I'm also happy. But I'm happy with him feet. sitting out today, though. You know, yeah, I'm yeah, yeah. Fine well, with that. Well, well, well I am too. Break. I definitely am. Yeah, but I think this more so highlights how thin. How I think we're a little thin in midfield, no? Because I think we're kind of missing it's... another player of Mount's profile. Well, there. especially like with the team that Tuchel selected. I mean, I didn't really even notice this when I initially looked through who was on the bench, but you know, like. 20 minutes into the match where I kind of realized, okay, the 3-4-3 is not working with the players that we have on right now. I noticed, like, our only midfielder was was Kovacic besides, you know, I mean, yeah, Tino and Lewis Bate, who, you know, I mean, those are young guys. Those aren't guys you want to put in and, you know, in a a match like that after, you know, a really shaky first half where we were very lucky, very lucky to only uh, walk out of that nil-nil. Thanks to maybe, you know, a, a brilliant save by Keppa, which, you know, you, who knows what would have happened if that was, uh, if that was Mendy, if would he have made the same save? No, I'm just kidding. I'm not starting that dialogue, but <laughs> it was, uh, uh, but see, like the thing I like about Tuchel, you know, I'm fine with him experimenting and that's, that's really what I saw from this starting lineup uh, I mean, Pulisic and Ziyech have been out for so long, you know, that he wants to, to see them get to a start. Um, and then, you know, Billy Gilmore and, and Golo Conte, those guys haven't played in a while. Kurt Zuma as well. Emerson as a center back. So, you know, w- us as fans, we immediately noticed that the 3-4-3 wasn't working. And, you know, at halftime, Tuchel made two subs. He brought Rudiger in for Christensen, and then he brought... Reese James in for Marcus Alonso. He shifted to a 4-2-3-1, later to a 4-3-3. And, uh, you know, like, I'm fine with that experimentation as long as he knows when to pull the plug when it's not working. And, you know, I, that's why I was I was calm throughout the first half. And, you know, I thought that if we, if we finished it nil-nil, then we would be in good shape because Tuchel would make that change, or at least I hoped he would, and he did. But, um, yeah, I mean, Andreas, you want to give us some more insight as far as what you saw with the formation change and, you know, the tactical decisions that Tuchel made throughout the match? Yeah, I, I mean, it was pretty obvious in the first half that something had to change. I mentioned the, the back three was far too wide, which was only slowing down, progressing the ball forward. So at halftime, he pulls both Alonzo and Christensen who apparently had a headache, which is why he was taken off. But Alonso was ineffective in today's match. If we weren't going to move the ball forward, he was not going to do much. And honestly, I had forgotten he was in the pitch. Whenever we made the subs, I was like, who was that second sub? But yeah. switching switching to a back four allows Zuma and Rudiger to be the two primary kind of ball carriers in, in terms of possession. And... Even under Lampard, they were already told to move the ball forward quickly. I thought it also allowed Emerson to push wide, which he was already doing even as a center back. And so moving into the back four also created a little bit more space for Gilmore and Conte because we were now spreading the other the Barnsley press a little bit further wide. Then 
we switched up again to a 4-3-3 once we no- realized that Ziyech was still being extremely ineffective in midfield. So we add Kovacic to the equation. Again, Ziyech was not handling the physicality of, of the match. Again, you can argue that the pitch was also kind of the issue, but Kovacic was is the kind of guy that will dribble through it. You don't have to have, even force a bad pass because he can just get out of trouble, adding a little bit more stability in midfield again. So the the changes were at first to just change the ball progression side of things. Once we got the lead, I think it was more assuring up the ball more so than moving forward with it. And that's why you add a third man to the midfield. But again, like you mentioned, Sam, we haven't seen this done successfully, I'd say, in a while um, as a Chelsea fan. I think the closest thing to this that we saw was the 3-3 West Brom match early in the season. And I would argue that changing things too much in that game was why we didn't win. So for it to work to our advantage this time and to also see some of our players move through various positions was really nice to see. I know Cho started on the right, ended on the left. Andrew started on the left, ended on the right. And and these guys didn't didn't miss a beat when asked to, to change places. Even Gilmore, who started in a two and then finished in a three-man midfield, looked like he transitioned from one system to the other, or not system, but formation pretty well. So that was also another positive I wanted to, to point out in terms of how it felt organic to make those changes. What about you, Zach? Um, when it comes to Tuchel, um, I'm, I, I still like what I see. I, and I think all, every Chelsea fan should feel the same. Like there's still an overwhelming amount of positivity radiating from him and from the team, I think. Now, like we can take this performance and look at it in isolation and come up with all these like bullshit excuses as to why it happened, blah, blah, blah. I mean, we, we pretty much hashed it all out, but the one thing I think is important with him is that, you know, we saw the back three for a few matches. There were, um, you know, there were a lot of positives. We, we picked up a run of clean cheeks. We picked up a run of wins. We weren't necessarily scoring the goals. We came into a match like today. And I honestly thought that we would maybe run a back four once I saw that Emerson and Alonzo were on the team sheet. I thought maybe Emerson would be playing as like a right fullback, just kind of filling in. Um, you know, and, and and we actually saw a back three and it didn't work. And Tuchel decided to change things up and it had a little bit of Jose about it. I'm not even going to lie. Um, the halftime substitutions and, and just a complete change in the way we play. I think under Frank, we probably go into the second half with the same lineup that came out in a similar system um, with, you know, few visual changes i think frank relied on personnel changes more than tactical changes and with tuchel it's nice to see that you know we have a manager that's so willing to kind of adapt and 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 move things around on the fly you know you look at our past we went through what Mourinho, conte sorry and frank um and you could all you could point out instances for each manager, if it wasn't the whole entire season where they were just unwilling to change their their system or the way they play. And the fact that we have a guy like Tuchel who could do that is nice. Um, so yeah, I think we're onto something here. And I think if we're looking at this uh, performance in isolation, 
and getting down about it and getting down about the manager or the team or any of that, I think I think that's the wrong way to, to look at this. Um, you definitely need to have a more level head um, and, and see the situation for what it is. And you could even look at the bad performers as well and the ones that we didn't say not so nice things about um, and, 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 you know, be constructive with your criticism. I think that's fair. But going and saying that, you know, this is all horse shit and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the team is not performing and, and we're going right back to where we came, right back to where we were a few weeks ago. I, that's all an overreaction. I think it's a little too much. But um, I don't know, guys. I, I think we should finish with some sort of positive uh, for the well, podcast because before, this is like a positive thing, no? But there's, there's some bad, more bad things I want to talk about before we get into oh, the positive. I just – we have to. I mean, me. Zach, we it's have okay. to. Okay. We're, yeah. we're not even – come on. This is only, we're, only, we're only like 25 <laughs> minutes into the podcast. You're trying to wrap <laughs> it up already? Okay. No, no, I'm not trying to wrap it up. I want to talk about some I'm of the kidding. good things. I'm just kidding. Okay, yeah. We'll yeah. save that for the end because that's like – but it's better to end on, on a good note. Uh, but um, first bad thing I want to say <laughs> – and I just want to say this in all honesty. I think if Frank was still our manager, we probably would not have won that match. He wouldn't have made the right changes at halftime, and we would have probably lost. Um, I mean, we still could have won, but I'm just saying that's how I feel. Uh, but back to some reality, uh, I want to talk about our two wingers to start off the match, uh, Hakeem Ziyech and Pulisic. Um you know, I think this was their first time starting under Tuchel, if I'm uh, not mistaken. Uh, and I think this was Ziyech's first time even playing under him uh, for, I mean, in his Chelsea tenure. And uh, yeah, but obviously both of them not, you know, coming coming off of some uh, prolonged absences and, you know, just coming back and forth from injury and not being able to really get consistent playing time. But Neither of them looked good today. Um, you know, starting off Hakeem Ziyech on the right, Pulisic on the left. And then um, after we switched uh, formations, we had uh, Cho go up front to the left side. We pushed Pulisic to the right. And then we moved Ziyech to like a 10 roll. And uh, neither... <laughs> You know, in, in either positions, neither of them looked any good, uh, to be honest, today. And I don't know what to blame it on. I mean, I think it is a lot of it is just, you know, not having that consistent playing time and just getting back into it. But, I mean, uh, Andreas, what did you see from these guys today? I didn't see much. Cool. <laughs> I mean... okay. Glad we're on the same page. Uh, um, Pulisic, I think it's a mental thing more than like a match fitness or match IQ thing. I think he's probably frustrated with his lack of concrete output and, and just like Werner, he's just going to have to play through it and, and kind of take, take that off his own mind for Ziyech. I think we're seeing that it, it is a big difference to jump from a not so physical league to the premier league. And Sometimes it just feels like when he has his back turned towards goal, he thinks he has more space than he truly does and can get caught off guard. That's why I mentioned maybe he looked so good in that front three under Lampard because he was more of a floating winger than one that was uh, going straight at a defender. And, and so he had more space around him when receiving the ball than he did in, in a match like today. 
I I think that Ziyech probably needs someone like Mason Mount to be lined up next to him right now to to make up for his lack of defensive output. Um, and then that way you also have, instead of two main creators trying to do the exact same thing, they can kind of complement each other. You can have Mount making those runs in behind uh, instead of trying to slow play down and create much like both Pulisic and Ziyech do. Maybe even Ziyech and Werner off of a striker. Uh, so that could be a solution to getting Ziyech back into playing form. Like I said, Pulisic is, is a little more complicated because you see him getting into the right places. We know he likes to drift inside. It's That, that one just seems to me like a goal or an assist. And, and like you said, maybe a little bit more consistent playing time. Injuries have been kind of an annoyance right when he starts to look good he misses a game again so yeah I I I can't I can't blame it all on the pitch and and what Barnsley was doing either because Cho looked great again and Cho played in the exact same space as they did and he was dribbling past guys floating past players and 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 like I said you have one guy that's extremely high on confidence in Cho versus two guys that are trying to fight their way back in and and sometimes all it takes is confidence. So I think that's the big one for me. It's just com- comfort in the system as well as just self-confidence on the pitch. Zach? Where'd Zach go? Andreas, with, uh, sorry, oh, sorry. I was on mute. I, I was muted. Um, <laughs> cool. With, uh, for once, I decided to... Um, when it comes to Pulisic, I think his situation is a little tricky to judge uh, because we know he missed the last game for you know some personal reasons, and we don't really know what that is. So um, hopefully it's it's you know it gets resolved soon and everything is okay. But we don't know what kind of mental effect that's having on him. We already know he's having a hard time with his injury situation, and there's fr- clear frustration there. Um, the last time he tweaked his hamstring. We all saw the video of him walking off the pitch and spiking his shin guards. And he, he, you know, he's frustrated. The guy can't get on the pitch. And the problem is, you know, when you see yourself play so well um, and succeed in a new league, a new country, a new team, uh, and then suddenly get hit with the injury bug. And now when you get healthy, your performances are suffering as a cause of it. It's frustrating and it could take a toll on you. So with him, uh, yes, it's mental. I think there is, is a little bit of a confidence issue there. Um, not necessarily in his own ability, but a confidence issue in his body's ability. Um, we don't see him attempting those kind of runs as much. We don't see him going into tackles where he knows he's going to be taking a lot of contact. He seems to be kind of slowly getting there, but isn't quite up to pace as he was earlier, as before. Um, Keep in mind, when Pulisic's at the top of his game, he's also getting fouled three or four times a match. He's getting the crap kicked out of him like Hazard did. Um, when it comes to Ziyech, it's a little different. Ziyech has been talking. Um, and and I think that's that's why I'm a little frustrated is because, you know, he's saying, oh, nobody's seen the real Hakeem Ziyech yet. You know, I haven't really played much, you know. It, just wait. The real Ziyech is coming. Um, and, and I didn't see anything today. Um, 
now I'm giving him benefit of the doubt, of course, because of, you know, his situation coming back from injury. But a player of that kind of quality should only, and that kind of experience as well, I think it should be noted, should only really need, what, two or three weeks tops to get back to some sort of form where they could actually be usable and provide something to the team. Um, I think the more interesting conversation to have with Ziyech is the fact that Tuchel shifted him to a number 10 role when we went to 4-2-3-1. Um, he got him central and tried to get him on the ball a little bit more. Now, it didn't work, uh, but I think that's an idea that could still be tinkered with. I want to see that I want to see that experiment again for sure uh, because I think Ziyech is the kind of player where if you get him in a central area, I mean, one, the defense has to close out on him if he's in and around the box because we know what he can do with that left foot. Um, but you also can't give him uh, time and space to pick his head up um, because he can pick out that pass. So I think if you can slot him in a 10 role or some sort of central role, even what Sam was saying, you know, how Tuchel deploys that 3-4-3 with, you know, those uh, left and right 10s, uh, floating 10s. I think Ziyech could really thrive in that kind of role because it'll allow him to drift into the middle and kind of uh, kind of see, seek the game for himself as opposed to him being stuck in a system and, you know, running these these patterns. I don't think Ziyech is that kind of player. Um, I think Ziyech is the kind of player where you got to give him a little bit of freedom, creative freedom, both on and off the ball so he could position himself uh, to make an impact on the game. So it, for me, it's a matter of time with him. Um, but, you know, I said it in the beginning of the show when I passed, off, passed it off to Andres. I think these guys, uh, in particular, Ziyech, Pulisic, even N'Golo Conte, you know, there's no excuses for him. He's a World Cup winner. I think those guys only have a few weeks to get their shit together. Otherwise, um, you know, Tuchel's going to make his mind up about his rotation, you know, through the end of this season and possibly next season. I mean, for me personally, I wasn't too uh, worried about N'Golo Conte's performance. I thought he played okay. I mean... Andreas, what, what did you what did you think from Conte's performance today? I thought he struggled at first. I thought it made me really nervous, and and overreaction in my head was that, well, crap, Conte's not going to be able to possess and and help us build out of the back. But then again, the more you saw our pattern of play, the more you saw how far away the back three were. Uh, which didn't allow for quick passing. The pitch was affecting absolutely everybody. I I think Angola will succeed with with the starters on the pitch, but it is worrying that it took him 30 minutes to get it all together. And again, in those first 30 minutes, Barnsley had two or three chances that a better team can put away. And we're talking about a whole different game. I just want to see... Conte, the, the other two players we just talked about, I think they have to figure their own stuff out. But I want to see Conte with our stronger 11 to to really make a judgment of it, off his skill set fitting into, into this system. I think he'll look a lot better with someone, whether it's Jorginho or Kovacic, that is now in a way um, fully vetted into what Tuchel wants to do as well as the pieces around him, whether it's, you know, Cho was left wing back and Reese James is right wing back and, and Werner, Mount, all those guys kind of who have it down and, and bring a lot more energy because I felt like that was missing in today's match will make his performances better. 
I thought Conte at first had to do a lot by himself. We caught him multiple times having to dribble out of trouble, pushing himself out wide, which then left to empty spaces in the middle. So the more I think about it, the more I think Conte's performance is a, is a product of what was happening around him more so than himself. I don't know if that makes too much sense, Zach. No, no, it does. It does. Because with him, it's interesting. Um, in terms of his ability, he doesn't necessarily fit what Tuchel wants. Um, he, you know, he's, he's opted for Jorginho at the base, a guy that doesn't have the physical attributes, but somebody that can control the game and control the tempo and, and, and kind of usher his teammates around the pitch just to kind of keep that organization. Um, Conte, I think with him, I was watching the match and thinking to myself, you know, if he was in a midfield three, I think he would be a lot more comfortable than he is now. Um, more so because in this system, there is a lot more movement. I know he's played in a pivot under Conte, um, and he's won a league title doing it, um, where, uh, you know, he was playing in a pivot all season. But those passing patterns were a lot simpler. Um, our main focus was to get the ball out wide left uh, to Hazard's feet and just kind of let him do his thing. Um, you know, and, and we also had the bombing the the bombing wingbacks, which at the time nobody really knew how to defend. To be fair, um, you know, it kind of revolutionized the, the way c- coaching was approached in the Premier League. Now we're seeing it a lot more. But anyways, with him. I, I did want to see him in a three. And, and the problem I re- kept running into was, okay, if he is in a three, what three do you put him with? Right now, Jorginho and Kovacic are, are sort of undroppable uh, in a way. And, and same with Mason Mount. So there's your three midfielders. Where does Conte necessarily fit um, in that equation? I think the more this team progresses and the more um, the more Tuchel gets to feel out these players and feel out, uh, who he prefers over who. I have a bad feeling Conte is going to be washed um, down the list. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't see um, our strongest 11 at the moment with N'Golo Conte in it, um, if I'm going to be quite honest. And that's even with the midfield three. Um, I think Mount can be coached to fill the voids that Conte, uh, that we miss by not having Conte in there defensively. I think pressing-wise... Mount's just as good, if not better. Um, uh, he can anticipate, you know, he, he could play a deeper role and, and, and kind of, uh, I don't necessarily know if he could hold it down in front of the back line by himself, but he can definitely uh, deputize there. So I don't know. Conte is an interesting one for me because I just, I know Tuchel says good things about him. I know he says he has plans with him. I just don't necessarily see where he fits right now because we looked mm-hmm. really, really stagnant in the midfield today without Jorginho and Thiago Silva. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the thought of not having one of those guys in a Premier League match against the team that's coming on to us, I'm thinking against Leeds, Liverpool, um, you know, even teams like Manchester City, where they'll attempt to press us and win the ball high. Um, we're going to struggle if, if we have, you know, Conte and, and Billy Gilmore in there. Um you know, or, or, or Conte, and even if we have Conte and Jorginho in there, it, it'll be miserable. I think you the only way to really fit him in to get the best out of him defensively, but to kind of minimize what he does offensively, is to put him in a three. Uh, just to pivot here a little bit, because I, I do agree with your 
uh, analysis on Conte in a, in a midfield three, but um, we actually got a Twitter question regarding a midfield pairing. Uh, this one's from Colin Prescott, and actually before I read his tweet, uh, I wanted to shout him out real quick because he made a Twitter like two days ago, and his first ever tweet was to London is blue. First of all, I'm very offended that you picked them over us. Second of all, his second tweet <laughs> was at us. And he tweeted saying, at Roman's Empire pod, let's freaking go, Chelsea. Roman's Empire, you guys are amazing. I watch every single week. I love Chelsea. Uh, and then a little blue heart emoji. So shout out to Colin. That was like a really nice thing to wake up and get that notification but um shout out to colin uh this is his first ever question on the pod uh he asks this is a thought gilmore and kovacic in the middle and then blue heart emoji mind blown emoji blue heart emoji (laughs) what do you what do you guys think of that that midfield pairing andreas what billy gilmore and kovacic I mean, I correct me if I'm wrong, but was that not part of the midfield that beat Liverpool two nothing last year in the FA Cup? Wasn't it and, them two and Ross? And yeah, I was about to say and Ross Barkley, <laughs> who we could easily upgrade with Mason Mount. Uh, and, and, I don't know if that's and, an upgrade. It's Ross Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think it could work. I mean, Billy is just Billy is a shorter, sure, but he's a little is more athletic than than Jorginho. I know Tuchel doesn't see him as a first option yet, but Tuchel just got here, and Gilmore is a less known commodity than, you know, than than the other guys. So I think he can jump, you know, players here and there in that pecking order just with time. But he and he let him play the full. Quickly. He let him play the full ninety today. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, that's enough. He's only trust. said good nice. things about him too. To be fair. Uh-huh. And he's the reason he didn't get a loan. He asked yeah. he asked for him to stay. So okay. I think that it's a good idea because, again, Gilmore is very quick about his passing. And he's one of our few players that is always looking to pass the ball forward. Uh, you hear that a lot in American sports, like a quarterback has to keep his eyes downfield. And I feel like Gilmore is one of those guys that always is looking for that. He is He's trying – to to make that a, a priority and so to mix that with Kovacic who is quick to to move the ball he does it through his dribbling I think we can be a much more progressive side on the ball and defensively maybe we'd rack up a couple more yellow cards between the two of them but that's not a bad thing at the end of the day a little aggression doesn't hurt anyone scares me as much as I think Conte can't play in a double pivot I don't think Billy Gilmore could play in a double pivot he he is he is more athletic than Jorginho. I'll give him that. Um, but what I saw today, there I just don't think I think the physicality is still a little out of reach for him, and, and that's not I don't I don't think that's being too harsh. I think that's being fair. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I like the idea of them in a double pivot. To be honest, um, they have a back three behind them. They do. But I do like I, I like the idea more of of a midfield three with with Mount like you said the upgrade on Ross that now that sounds nice just the amount of movement and energy in that midfield would be uh would really be something and and, and I think it would also 
I, I think your point about Billy Gilmore being a quarterback is spot on. And, and, and I think that's the difference between Billy Gilmore and Jorginho is Billy Gilmore is Cesc Fabregas and Jorginho is Jorginho. You know, Fabregas only looked down pitch. You very rarely saw that guy pass backwards or sideways. Um, and, and Billy has that similar aspect to him. And, and that, that's his idol, too, if I'm not mistaken. He always talks about modeling his game after Cesc. So it kind of fits with the way he plays. Um, but yeah, I mean, to kind of go back to my question earlier, what is, if we did go with that midfield three, what, what, what would the three, what three would you guys pick out of curiosity? W- would Conte be in there? Cause it has think... to be. So, so who are they? You got Conte and who else? Who do you leave out right now? Jorginho? Well, I would probably, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think Conte and Kovacic make my three. Are, are we assuming that Mount has to be in midfield? Yeah, he's undroppable yeah. right now. I mean, but but Tuchel doesn't see him as a six or an eight. He sees him as a ten. So that's why I'm asking. Like, what formation see, that's are we an- running here? That's another interesting thing because was did you guys interpret that as Tuchel's, like, was referring to the 3-4-2-1 or the 3-4-3, however you want to put it? Or was Tuchel a just referring pivot. to him in general? I just... In a double pivot. In a double pivot, I don't count Matt as a midfielder under Tuchel yet. I haven't seen him play that. Right, so that's why it's hard for me to pick a midfield three because so far it's been a double pivot straight up. Even today we thought it might not be and we had to change into a different midfield. And that's just because of all the other factors. But it seems like 3-4-2-1 is continuing to be the way to go. Maybe we go with a three when Havertz comes back. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was considering saying Havertz since uh, Mason Mount is obviously a natural right wing. He's not a midfielder, mm-hmm. but no, I'm just kidding about that. But, uh, I, Everybody's gonna I think, love to hear that. But I, I like I'm I still envision uh, a Chelsea team this season where Kai Havertz is a part of our best midfield trio. To be completely honest. Yeah, it's just it's just it's just a matter of him getting his confidence back. He's too talented not to exactly. Be, he, I mean, he's our most talented player just based on raw talent. At and least, maybe maybe Cho honestly might be yeah, up Cho there too. now. I've 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 fallen even raw more talent. Cho, Cho is really yeah. Talented, I've yeah. fallen even more in love with Cho since Tuchel has taken over. He's been amazing. Actually, on that note, since we're being positive, let's just let's just start talking about positive yeah. performances and i'll i'll start off with a tweet we got from uh michael at michael no digits it was a kind of a question but shout out to was, michael uh, no digits for changing his uh twitter handle for us <laughs> what was it before <laughs> it was, it was michael like number. oh yeah it was like a numbers, numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah i changed it um, to michael no digits i love it it's cheeky <laughs> that was because of us i like that it's all because okay. of us thanks all right cool um so it's a it's a rhetorical question, but he says, "Did you think you were going to see a match this year where Kepa was a legitimate man of the match candidate?" By the way, good job by him. Everyone else, nobody made a statement about earning a start. Well, that's what Michael thinks, but Kepa, that you ha- we have to give him credit for what he did today because he had two huge saves um, that would have should have surely been goals, and you know. It, before the match, I was in that um, 
the party room or clubhouse or whatever it's called. And, you know, people were saying, oh, yeah, I think we're going to win 3-0, 4-0. Some people even said 8-0, 9-0. Was, that was ridiculous. But uh, when I when it was my turn to talk, I said, uh, I think you guys are uh, giving Kepa a little bit too much credit. I don't think uh, we're going to keep a clean sheet. And, uh, you know, I, I, he made me eat my words. I will gladly admit that I was wrong about that. He played very well, a lot of confidence. Uh, he had the confidence to, you know, pass the ball around the the center backs. And, you know, he slipped a couple times while uh, clearing the ball. But almost every time it got to, you know, the right player. And I thought his, his, so his overall distribution was really good. And obviously the big save. So, um I mean, he, he messed up on that one set piece where he came out uh, to try to punch away that header, uh, the, the the ball, and he missed it completely pretty much. And I'm pretty sure that was that was the Tammy uh, goal line save, right, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah. It might have been a different thing, but that was the one mistake he had all match, and that's something that we've been uh, <laughs> berating him about, just his uh, indecisiveness of when to come out for the ball. But... Uh, credit to him for keeping a clean sheet uh, in a match where we probably should have been down 2-0 uh, in going into half, honestly. Um, so big credit to him. Um, anyone else? Zach, you want to you wanna name a good performer today? Oh, we know who Zach's going to say. Who am I going to say? Team Tammy? No. Yeah. Who no. else? I wasn't going to say Tammy. Tammy's Tammy actually frustrated me today. I his his body language if it the second his body language goes it's just kind of like over for him for that half until, you know, the manager gets to have a chance to have a word with him. And then we saw him in the second half kind of like up his game a bit, scored an offside goal but then saved the goal line. He actually had a really good performance. You know, I, I'm going to go team Tammy. <laughs> Fuck it. Whoa, you just changed but, your mind well, like within here's why. five seconds? Here's why. We already we already mentioned Cho, um, but I don't think Cho was great. I just think he wasn't bad. Um, and then Tammy was like – Tammy was the same. Tammy was bad until he scored. Um, and then – He was know, like he a net, into, net then plus he into Maldini. two – yeah, he was yeah, like a net I, plus two goal contributions, <laughs> scoring a goal yeah. and saving a goal. <laughs> so scoring and saving. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, yeah, statistically. But yeah, I mean, I I guess I'll go with Tammy. But I, I'm gonna criticize him because you know the body language from the beginning was was garbage. Um, the very first tackle in the box where yes, it should have been a penalty. No, there isn't VAR. I don't blame yes, him for that reaction. It, it, it's a Premier League referee, so uh, uh, of course they didn't see anything. Um, but, I was but, joking but like, that it was a championship ref, and it ended up being Martin it Atkinson. It turn, yeah, it turns out to be, yeah, our favorite, right? Or one of our favorite, one of our many favorites, of the, one of the Premier League's finest. Right. Um, but no, these games are also uh, officiated differently, and I think as a professional footballer, you got to know that, and you have to understand that. Hey, there's no VAR here. So if if I'm going to go down, the contact has to be significant enough. I think Tammy could have stayed on his feet there. I want to see him try to stay on his feet and try to have a pop at goal. Score a goal while you're rolling on your back, you know, after falling over from like I want to score something off balance, score something awkward, attempt it, you know? He just kind of 
felt contact and boom went the ground and it's a it's a criticism i guess not only of tammy but i guess a lot of modern footballers have that but in that kind of situation when you're in front of goal you have to try to stay on your feet um and then just kind of face the consequences because i feel like us not getting the he one he could have taken a shot and if he did shoot he probably would have scored because he was inside the 18 yard or inside the penalty area mind you um but we missed out on that opportunity because he decides to go over um and, and to be fair to the defender that was defending him yes he did get a little bit of ball but he also got ankle but at the same time i don't think it was enough contact for it to be an obvious like without a doubt uh without a shadow of a doubt penalty for me it, it wasn't one of those situations he should have stayed on his feet and he should have tried to go to goal great well I'm happy that we were able to end off with some positivity, Zach. Uh, Andreas. I, I mean, I mean, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, I was gonna say Reese as my positive performer go. because he came on, he got the assist, and like Cho, he wasn't bad. <laughs> like, like he wasn't absolutely terrible. So, Andreas, I, I was gonna say Kurt Zuma. He hasn't ah. played in in four or five matches. Played the full ninety. Had. 90% pass success. He won, I believe, six aerial duels. He cleared the ball seven times. And uh, he actually even created a, one of the key chances of the game. So for me, you know, we've been talking about where has Kurt been? Why haven't we seen him play? I thought this was the perfect sort of performance. There's a reason. I, I'm not buying the headache thing is why Christensen got pulled. I really just think it was based on performance. That's just the easy out because he did get hit in the head, but he played through it. So I I'm, I don't want to put too much on that. If he was really hurt, he would have been he, pulled. He got kicked out. in the head when he, he fell to the ground, tried to header the ball while laying down on the ground and got kicked in the back of the head after having a concussion like two matches ago. Was he confirmed to have had a concussion back yeah, then? Yeah, he, he two yeah, matches I mean, ago was it, didn't he? Or I mean, it, it wasn't had, an actual. He's had concussions. He's had concussions before, moment. though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. I think the club. I think now, especially, they're it's better to play it safe. He should have been taken off immediately. You, you tweeted yeah. that Andreas yeah. so that concussion protocol is still kind of a joke. So yeah, it is. I mean, well, I didn't know. I didn't well, even know he had one because there's no report on it, and the guy's playing still. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's dumb. But my point is that Zuma performed in a back three and in a back four. Again, I thought in the back three it was more of the fact that the two other center backs around him were just in la-la land positionally. But he was solid defensively. Again, high passing numbers. I think he was the sec- second to Alonzo, the least uh, dispossessed player on the pitch. Alonzo being the least just because he barely touched the ball. So... Mm-hmm. Even more credit to Zuma. I hope that this is a performance that maybe gets him into some of our best 11s a little bit more because I truly think we're missing his uh, ability to score set pieces right now since our, our strikers and stuff are still, you know, kind of misfiring or not consistently scoring. We need to make more of our set pieces, and Zuma has been our, our biggest threat aside from Thiago Silva. So I, I, I'd rather him be on the pitch for those situations. Um. um yeah sorry i i i love the shout for zuma um but the 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 positioning i just want to mention it was really weird because christensen would be pulling out all the way to the right like far right where aspie would normally operate 
and and I don't think we give Aspie enough credit for his out ball in those positions. He's really good at finding either that clipped ball over the top or the diagonal. Um, but Christensen was forcing things on the right way too wide. And for me, Zuma wasn't coming over. I don't think Zuma should be playing in the middle. Um, he should he should be on the right hand side. But Zuma was staying central, and Emerson was just not moving at all. It it was the weirdest thing. Um, it, it didn't even look like a back three at times. It took me the first like five or six minutes of the game to to like a hundred percent confidently say like, okay, I could see the back three now. Um, but yeah, I, for me with with Zuma, I want to know what Tuchel's gonna do with him because we look at a player like Kimpembe at PSG who has like similar attributes to, to Zuma, where like you know he's not as big as Zuma, but physically he's he's awesome. Um, and, and, and he could pass out of the back. So I don't know, but Andres, do you see Zuma in the middle if he comes back in, um, or, or, or he has to kind of take a uh, Rudiger spot on the left? Cause I don't see Aspie moving. If, if Tiago's back, then yeah, I would probably put him in for Rudiger eventually should performances, you know, dictate yeah. that probably a little early to do so, but I think the upside of having him in set pieces instead of Rudiger is is the key thing for me. I Rudiger had a chance today. Yeah. I, I don't want to say that piece. Zuma puts it away, but that's the closest I've seen Rudiger get to to, to frame with his headers so far this season. So Zuma was on the, he's, was on the pitch for that. They just uh, yeah he was he just wasn't making the front post run. Use him as yeah. a decoy. Yeah, exactly. So again, it's it's one of those things where I think my preferred back three would be either Zuma, Thiago, Aspie, or if we're going to get wild and, and super offensive, Zuma, Ooh. Thiago, Reese. Let's get wild. Wow. Reese James, <laughs> damn. Reese could definitely like play shot. there, dude. I like that He shot. did it in the academy when the academy was playing a back three, so. He's easily six feet tall. He's easily strong enough. He's a thick boy. Hey, we can he put him in CDM, too, two C's. if needed. Yeah. three c's three c's uh three c's okay i want to wrap up on uh just laughing at whoever the commentators are for espn uh oh because of the 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 tammy goal because they were so convinced that that was offsides for the dumbest reason they were like if you watch a replay you could see that reese james he, he's passing the ball forward He's, he's not squaring it up. It's he's not passing it backwards. It's offsides. And I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm not sure whether that was offsides or not. To, to be completely honest, I thought he was on. But, uh, I mean, I know you guys were like, oh, he's off, but whatever. But, you know, I, th- I think the, the, refs, the refs got to you. No, the, he wasn't. They but, showed, no, but later they, in the match, yeah. they, they showed the, the lines and he wasn't offside. Yeah, like 10 minutes later, they showed that graphic and he was well onside. And <laughs> I was just like... Uh oh man, like I bet these guys think they're the biggest idiots. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. What what logic is that? Like if it, that's, that's what I said before, it was confirmed that if a guy is is behind the ball, you gotta pass doesn't the ball matter. ahead. You gotta pass the ball ahead of him because he's running. Like what? You think he's gonna stand still so you can square the ball? No, and that's exactly what happened. Uh, and so it, they it, their uh, anti Chelsea bias came back to bite them in the ass so that felt that felt great um, i feel like they always just so get stupid. these commentators that we never hear of that were players that i didn't even know they existed 
and then they come <laughs> on 20 years after they decide to retire from doing commentary and then just kind of like dust off the old microphone and try to do it again but they're like suffering from memory loss and <laughs> all these different like aging you know ailments neurological illnesses <laughs> they just yeah they're just they suck man they're so bad i yeah I don't get it. I wish Nico did Shout all out. the matches. Seriously, man, Nico. Okay, I'm I'm gonna Nico's forward. I'm gonna forward ESPN uh, his contact info. So uh, <laughs> maybe something will work out. Um, all right, let's 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 finish up with a quick uh, preview against Newcastle. If you guys want to, uh, in four days we play them. Uh, Monday, uh, so it'll be three days by the time this drops. So uh, we'll have the weekend off, play Monday, uh, which is always nice. Um, sometimes, unless you're working during the during the match. Uh, in my case, I'm unemployed, uh, so not that big of a deal. But uh, <laughs> let's let, let's take a look at the table. Newcastle is uh, struggling right now, sitting at 16th uh, with 25 points. Um, but so like the match today. Again, it was it was I think the only time that Tuchel had to kind of tinker a little bit and experiment and see you know what players would look good where. But we're at a point in the Premier League right now where we can't spare to drop points against a you know bottom half team like near relegation, well, ten points out of relegation, but still uh, bottom half team like Newcastle. So Zach, what what kind of what kind of lineup do you expect to see against Newcastle? Uh, he's gonna go with his trusty old guard. I think I think we're gonna see the midfield pivot, Jovacic. Um, the interesting, everywhere else on the pitch, the the only two positions where I'm really curious is the wing backs, whether he's gonna go with Reese or Cho on the right. So, th- so 3-4-3, first of all, yeah, you're saying, yeah. yeah. It's going to be a 3-4-3. Three, three. The back threes, I, I think it's going to be Rudy, Christensen, um, and, and Dave, if Christensen's available. Um, and then you're going to have Jovacic. The wing backs are up in the air, honestly. I, I, I don't really know. Um, Chilwell hasn't looked good, but he, he showed signs of, you know, positioning himself well and he always has that timing of his runs in the box, which is which is always going to be an asset. Um, I think a guy like Choa would probably be more suitable against Newcastle. Um, and then you got Reese. I'd probably go Reese on the other side. Um, and then up top, I would go Tammy, Timo, and Mason Mount. All right, how about you, Andres? All right. So you have who wing back again, Zach? I would I would play Reese, but I I, th- I think Cho is probably going to be the one to get called. I, I don't see why you don't do both. Reese on the right, Cho on the left. Ah, just drop Alonzo and Cho yeah. all together, or maybe play Chilwell as a as a center or, back. Oh, uh, or or you have yeah. Chilwell and Cho. I I don't think Alonzo deserves a start next match. No, I thought he I was lazy so. today. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that would be the only alteration I would have. I think you're right. It's it's Jorginho and Kovacic, and I think the front three has to be Werner, uh, Tammy, and Mount together uh, until I until I get a healthy Havertz, who I still want to see play in the middle of that front three. Yeah, I'm curious. Ever since you mentioned it, and the more I'm seeing 
uh, how how effective Timo could be off to the left. The more I'm excited about the prospect of Havertz playing up the middle. That's 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 tasty, possibly tasty. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I think this would be a good match, and I think uh, probably don't start off with that. But if you can bring him off the bench and see how he's performing in that way, uh, you know, because I wish he was fit for today. It would have been perfect, but um, I don't even know what's going on with him. Uh, I mean, he has he just hasn't been the same since since COVID, and I hope that hasn't had a, a long term impact on him. Uh, but We'll see. I think uh, I think him coming off the bench would be a more ideal, um, if not him playing uh, like one of the, one of the winger like the inside tens as you call it, Andreas. Um, yeah. So I think I think that's more suited for him than like a ten, like a like a nat, like a full on ten. In that case, I think it would look like a like a three four one two straight up. I mean, he would just be replacing Mal exactly. And just dropping into that half space and doing his thing. I but but I think he's going to be doing that either way. Even if he plays up the middle, that's sure. the kind of role he's going to take up. Is more of a false nine than a than a striker. Mm-hmm. What what are we predicting for this game? Let's put a number on it. I mean, DeAndre Yedlin's not there anymore, so oh yeah, they're not to worry about that one anymore. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say we win two nil. Um, we keep another clean sheet. Our defense has looked solid. The only goal we've given up uh has been scored by us, right? Uh, since under the Tuchel era, <laughs> the own goal. Yeah. That's that's been our own only goal we've let up, right? Yep. Correct. Cool. So, yeah, clean sheet. I think we scored two goals. Um, I think Werner finally gets going. Uh with not just one but two he gets both of them Ooh. yep i like double. that the german like that. double i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna one up or i'm actually not gonna one up some i'm gonna re-up some i'm gonna two nil too yeah <gasps> i think i think here's another two nil um i saw in their last match that callum wilson uh had like a muscle injury he went off so if he's not available, um, then then they're definitely not going to have any firepower whatsoever. So, um, yeah, th- they're basically going to have to rely on St. Maximin or Almiron to dribble our whole defense and score. Uh, so, yeah, 2-0 Chelsea. And I'm going to say... <sighs> one of our wingbacks is going to score. We need a goal from one of our wingbacks. It would be nice. Andreas, where are you at? I, I like the 2-0. I still don't know if... I want to see us explode. I just don't know if Newcastle will allow us to do that. I think they'll sit back. Unlike mm-hmm. Sheffield, who tried to surprise us with the press, I think that Newcastle will stay true to their colors and, and sit back with a, a back five. So I like the 2-0. I don't think it'll be an easy 2-0, but I, I like that. Also not entirely sure where the goals will come from, to be honest. Uh, we've been, we've yeah, been struggling with that as season, of late. Right? Yeah. Which so shouldn't be the case, but fortunately it is. When Jorginho is our second leading scorer. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that kind of brings us 
to the end of the episode then um so for those of you that are still listening uh make sure you're following us on twitter at romans empire pod uh same handle for our instagram um we also have gotten a few emails which has been great romans empire pod at gmail.com um and until next week hopefully we get three more points in the bag keep the blue flag flying high